Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, we will be talking about the murder at the end of the world, the penultimate episode called Murder Scene, S-E-E-N. Get it? Have you seen a murder? <laughs> I love a pun. Of course. Forgive my voice, by the way. I had COVID this week, so I had COVID. Shut up. I did. I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> I'm feeling How's okay. How's the rest of your family? Never mind you. How's your family? <laughs> my, yeah, exactly. My my wife had the worst of it. She was probably the one who, she definitely was the one who brought us home. Well, mm. My daughter had either completely asymptomatic or didn't get sick. For me, it was relatively mild. I had a cold last year, which might have been COVID actually, although I never tested positive, which seemed much rougher than this. I mean, this literally lasted two or three days and I uh, had like a fever and a lot of body aches, by the way, a lot of body aches. But, uh, but that two days of that and then it, it got better. Is this your first time officially having it? As far as I know, this is the first time. But like I said, wow, we had... that was a good run. <laughs> it really was, especially <laughs> since my wife works at a hospital. So yeah, they were dropping amazing. like flies at one point early on. And we were in New Jersey, <laughs> which is like the epicenter of the whole thing early on. So I did get some time to watch some stuff. I didn't go to work for a couple of days because I was like, my body ached too much for me to even get out of bed. So I was catching up on some things. Soda, did, did you by chance check out this Julia Roberts movie, uh, you know, I meant to do it all weekend, and then I just didn't. I, I was just curious to get your feel on it. I've actually read the book as well, which is very strange because I thought that the film tantalized some themes and then really didn't deliver on them. So I'm like, well, I'd like to listen to read the book, I should say, to uh, get a feel for like this unexplored subtext. And the book was very different. It's funny. The plot was very similar, but then the point of the book was very different than the point of the film, which I thought was interesting. It is also interesting that this is a pretty strange film and had a massive, massive debut on Netflix. I guess you get a big star in a Netflix film. Yeah. And everybody star. in America is watching the movie at the same time. But it has a pretty, it's had a pretty divisive uh, reaction. Uh, for me, I thought it starts off really awkwardly. I have... I liked Mr. Robot. I never finished the series, which I do plan to at some point. But I do have an issue with Sam Esmael's writing style and is a little too florid, a little too a little too much in general. And you really feel that early on in uh -huh. the film. It's like telling you what to think. And it was a little rough. But I think that once the thriller aspects of the show, the movie kick in, it really works. I mean, I was like, you know, stressed out. I actually, really? <laughs> I literally was thinking to myself, like, oh my God, like, I'm going to be like these people. Like, my phone stops working and I'm out in Long Island. I literally won't be able to drive back home because I, I don't know which direction I'm supposed <laughs> to go in, you know? And I think we're all in that circumstance, right? I mean, Long Island specifically. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's pretty easy. No, I think it's pretty easy if you find your oh, okay. way back to the LIE. I am a person who cannot find my way out of a paper bag, but I do know that if I find my way back to the LIE, it will lead me to the city. And it's just a straight shot. Um, finding your way there could take a little bit, but Long Island um, is so self-contained that I trust that you could do it. But I was thinking this movie might be something that I could kind of like be picking up around the apartment and do other things while I had it on. But the way you're describing it, it actually will require more focus. Oh, yeah. No, I think you want to pay attention to it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but it, it is a, a little <laughs> dense in the way it um, addresses uh, the topic. But I'm what I was describing, Sona, was even more mundane than that. I mean, I've had this experience just when my GPS is malfunctioning. They're out in an Airbnb out on Long Island. And Ethan Hawke, who plays the husband in 
the, the show. Oh, I didn't know Ethan Hawke is in this. Okay. Oh yeah, and Mahershala Ali. It's, it's a you great probably cast. told me, but yeah, okay. <laughs> when Ethan Hawke goes, he's like, I'm just going to go into town to find out what's going on. So he exits. You know, he hasn't been anywhere since they've arrived at the house. So he just drives towards the center of town and then gets turned around at one point because something happens, which I'm not going to spoil. But then he's heading back home and he cannot find his way back to this locale because he's only been there once and he doesn't remember the street signs and everything. So I was like very paranoid. I'm like, oh my God, I need to have like a physical map in the car at all times. <laughs> That's so interesting to me as just being from around here. I could definitely see that happening in New Jersey. In Long right. Island, I, again, even someone as challenged as me can generally find their way around Long Island or at least find their way back to like accidentally ending up someplace. Oh, I know where I am now. Right. <laughs> because it is uh, just so self-contained that even when I get turned around, eventually you're going to see something where you're like, oh, right, I did pass this. Okay. But it's that's a very... Um, local specific feeling that I'm having. So it probably works well for people who have not spent a lot of time on Long Island. Well, I've definitely traveled with people who had GPS and operational phones and went out from an Airbnb and got lost coming back like an hour and a half later. They're like, where were you? I we couldn't found, find the house. <laughs> I mean, more local knowledge, but upstate New York can be very tricky as far as like unmarked roads. And, you know, um, it just, I, I definitely have had places Airbnb is specifically where they say you must look at the directions in the Airbnb listing if you right, want to right. locate the house because Google Maps will not show you the road that you're supposed to turn on. It's going to lead you someplace where there is no road. So as much as Google knows everything, they don't quite know everything. I would say that the show, to that point, I feel like when you're watching the show, you really do feel more like you're in upstate New York rather than Long Island. But they mm -hmm. definitely shot in Long Island. There's literally a scene where they make it to the riverside and you can see the city in the distance. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. They're definitely shot in Long Island proper. But yeah, like it, it actually has that scene, that feeling more of being out in, uh, in yeah, the Yeah, and, and upstate, when it gets dark up there, it gets dark up there. <laughs> you know, like being from the metropolitan area, you forget how dark it can feel out on a road in a more rural area, it really is pitch black. So if you're looking for an unmarked left-hand turn or whatever it may be, you know, it's it's very stressful. Another thing that this reminds me of is when we, uh, you and I, went to Mirror Woods with a bunch of our other friends. Yes. And we were in multiple cars. And yes. as we're approaching the, you know, the more wooded area, obviously, uh, we lose all cell service. Yes. So now we're like, okay, now we're here. <laughs> the GPS no longer works. The maps have disappeared from our phones. We have arrived you know, by following the signs, but now like, how do we find each other? Like we have no way of communicating with each other and we're in multiple cars. And uh, it did make me wonder, like, you know, if you're in some kind of, uh, you know, emergency situation in the future and you're like, okay, there's, here's where you, we're going to meet up and you show up there with hundreds of thousands of people and you're like, well, how do we find each other now? I guess we just hope we run into each other eventually. I mean, but this is the really crazy thing, especially for people of our generation. We did do that. We did do right? this. Exactly. Growing yes. up, you would yes. just kind of be like, like my husband, for example, he had, you're going to go to the Yankee game with someone, you meet at the bat. Like yep. there was this right. big bat outside Yankee Stadium and you'd meet at the bat before the game and that would be it. And I mean, it was specific enough that even with the capacity of Yankee Stadium, you know, eventually you would locate each other by the bat. We did make it work, but it does seem 
so irrational now with all the information we have where you, you know, someone is texting, okay, five minutes away, like, okay, walking towards wherever. All right. I'm waiting by the left-hand side of the door, you know, right. But right. before it kind of be like, this is a general area that I'm supposed to meet someone at roughly this time, even though they drove say two hours to get here. So who knows what kind of traffic they hit on the way. And eventually you would locate each other. You know, it's funny. We were in Portugal this summer visiting my parents. My dad, uh, I, I had, I, I always, when I travel, always have an offline version of uh, maps, my Google maps. For yeah, an area. that's smart. So that I can just find it around because the GPS is always operational, by the way. If anyone doesn't know this, here's a little tech tip. Uh, you can do offline versions of your maps. So download them onto your phone, wherever you are. It could be enormous. Uh, it used to be, I guess, because of memory limitations. When I would download these maps years ago, when I first started doing this, probably over 10 years ago, you'd have a relatively small geography that you could download without the phone complaining mm -hmm. or having. Now it's just like, if I say I want to just get like the area immediately around my parents' house, they literally have the entire state <laughs> where they live in. It's like, like it's a quarter of the country is, is downloaded and you could easily download a whole, um, you know, half a country or something into, onto the phone. And then you'll have like turn by turn directions, even when the, your cell service is turned off because the GPS is always operational. Uh, it's a separate satellite system. And by law, it has to always work, like basically just for the fact that, you know, obviously all navigation systems always need to work and dependent on those things. So just a tech tip, everybody, make sure you do that when you're traveling to a new place, you can always find your way around. But this leads to the fact that I would just, when I was driving around, I had my own car. And when I was driving around, I would just follow the Google maps. Sure. And sometimes my dad would be in his own car following us with the rest of the the, the party, you know, my mom and, and, and other guests. And he'd freak out and be like, why'd you turn there? He'd like backtrack and follow us and freak out or call us on the phone. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, we're, we're 40, we're like half a mile from the house. We'll find our way there. It's not, not an emergency. And he was like, what happens if you guys get lost and you'll end up like in the middle uh, of like the, the some you know, bad, you make a wrong turn and end up dead somewhere. And I'm like, we're in a residential area. Nothing bad's going to happen. <laughs> but more importantly, it was as if he had forgotten this, by the way, which is funny because this is even more pertinent to him than to me. Exactly what you were describing. I remember, and I actually mentioned this to him. I remember when we were kids and we went to visit some friends who had moved to like Connecticut and we get in the car, drive to Connecticut where we have never been before. And we drive in the general direction of where this person lives. We don't know their area. We don't know anything. And I guess we just like, at some point when we got close, we called them up on right. from a mm -hmm. pay phone and mm -hmm. hoped that they were there. And we're like, hey, we're at the Kmart. Come meet us or something. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's how we used to do it. We used to Insanity. <laughs> it's yes. insane. Thinking about that is absolutely insane. Oh, so <laughs> do check out that movie. It's not great. <laughs> it gets better as it goes along, I would say. Uh, and and your mileage may vary, by the way. It ends on a joke. And I thought the joke was hilarious. Uh, some people are very mad being like, what the hell? <laughs> mm. It worked for me. May not work for everybody. But I think mm. that in the middle, it's a very tense piece of work. So do check it out if that sounds interesting. I, I think you'll definitely... I've gotten to a point now where I would rather see a film, even if it pisses me off, that makes me think rather than just a pleasant film that you forget you watched it 15 minutes later. So I, I'll appreciate it for that purpose. And, yeah. and I, I actually do like it. I actually thought it was fine. Could have been better, but hey, it's okay. Maybe as a segue into our over-reliance on technology, <laughs> let's talk about this episode of the show. Let's do it. This is a 45-minute episode. This is brisk by the standards of this one hour and five minute, one hour and 25 minutes uh, episodes we've seen here on the show. Oh, and we, uh, I, I think I had mentioned here on 
that the podcast a couple times where they actually shot these episodes. And I did look into it because I'm like, this is definitely shot in New Jersey. I have remember hearing that they had shot in New Jersey. So I was curious. So I looked it up. First of all, yes, they did shoot in Iceland. So this is not CGI, Sona. <laughs> Thank you for finally <laughs> resolving that for sure. Second place they shot at was Utah, which I figure is all those um, bat flashback sequences where they are investigating the murder. Love Utah. Did I don't think they're supposed so to be in Utah. Oh, yeah, you've been to Utah a bunch of times. I don't think that they're supposed to be geographically in Utah in the show, or at least for chunks of it. But I guess it's just pretending to be Utah. Or I should say Utah is pretending to be those other locales. Right. And then shot in New Jersey. We are at Great Adventure in this particular episode. And they also shot in Kearney, uh, which I think is the more urban area they shot in earlier when she went through her book reading. And uh, we could see a view of uh, a skyline in the background. Mm-hmm. We start out exactly where we left off last week. She's trapped underwater. There's this actual beautiful shot in the opening of the episode, which is the burning, the fire that was building, burning her, um, yes, her murder board, <laughs> her red thread board. I always, fire. ever, ever since a beautiful mind, I always refer to that as a beautiful mind situation. Even <laughs> though I'm sure you know that idea existed well before a beautiful mind but that's what it always reminds me of when i i see something with all the papers hung up on the wall and the threads connecting one to the other <laughs> uh the character homeland uh oh carrie carrie yeah th- th- they call it like the the carrie board yeah, or something like that that's a good reference joe oh and i did want to call out i've mentioned it a bunch of times here i really love the cinematography it, the cinematography here it it's in this interesting it creates this interesting mood where you don't know if this show is going to slip into horror even sometimes but it's like very, I don't know how to describe it. It's very um, earthy and uh, a little bit ominous. So I looked up this cinematographer out of curiosity. <clears throat> and her name is Charlotte Bruce Christensen. And uh, she's made some pretty well-known films, most notably A Quiet Place, of course. Ah. Very scary. <laughs> and uh, also Molly's Game, which we mentioned here earlier. In the- I still have to watch that. I really want to see that one. And Sharper. Did you see Sharper? Uh, I've never even Apple. heard of Sharper. I think I recommended it to you on this oh, podcast. Oh, sorry. I guess <laughs> so I, <have> that. <laughs> I I definitely recommended it on the podcast at some point. I don't know if I recommended it directly to you, but it's a, a thriller. Not a thriller. Like it, it feels like a thriller, honestly. But you might like this because it is not a psychological thriller, but definitely feels like one. And it plays in the genre. It's kind of a mashup. It's more of like one of those heist movies. Not a heist movie, a con man movie. Where you oh, know every everybody is playing everybody else, and you just don't know how until the very end. It has an all star cast. Uh, John Lithgow plays a small part, and um, God, what's her name? Uh, she's in May December right now. Um, red hair. Natalie Julia- Portman. Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Oh, okay. Went with the other one. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> she's uh, that's a very interesting movie, by the way, too, uh, and very divisive, I'm sure. So Julianne Moore is in there. It's an all-star cast. But most importantly is this beautiful tone. This, uh, it's sh- shot in New York, so you, that's another thing you'd like. Sh- shooting inside of like a bookshop, for example, which you would like because you like you. <laughs> so a lot of things I think re- would recommend <laughs> yeah, this Yeah, this movie seems perfect for me. It's right up your alley. It really is right up your alley, I would say. Uh, anyway, it's, it's be- and it looks beautiful. The, the main reason I would recommend that movie is because I love the way it looked. And it pays off in the end. But, the you know, it's a little rough along the way. But I love the way that movie looked. And uh, anyway, once again, speaking to this a cinematographer, she does great work here. I mean, I think this whole series has been aesthetically really yes. lovely to watch. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> Maybe the other quality is not up to that line, but... <laughs> so back to the episode again. So Darby's underwater. Someone's smashing the cover open. She comes to. 
she's had this. She's like in this headspace where she's thinking of the hotel room with Bill the last time she saw him in the past. It's David and Lee who have rescued her. So they're in cahoots. She overhears that Andy is coming out of his treatment in about 45 minutes. So Andy couldn't have been the one who was closing the lid. I mean, did it occur to you? I had this thought of like, maybe, you know, everything is so high tech. The pool cover is just automated and she happened to be down there. <laughs> it could be. It could be something just closed. that dumb. Right. <laughs> that was just end of oper- uh, hour of operation. Yeah, exactly. The clock struck 11 and the pool, <laughs> right. pool cover closed or 10 or whatever it was, 2200, right? <laughs> Maybe someone's like such a master manipulator. They're like, I'm just going to tell her to go to the pool. And she's such a moron. She's going to jump in. I know. I get trapped underneath. Yeah. That's actually not a bad theory. <laughs> Lee starts to unpack. As the, So many things in this show. One of my annoyances is that it always is telling rather than showing. So we're like waiting for revelations. And, you know, here we go. We have Lee just telling us everything. And he's incredibly abusive and controlling. Okay, can I just interject yeah. for one second here? So I give you credit. You called this mm-hmm. last episode, his abusive nature. Although I did think that the slant on it, which we can talk about, was interesting about how it kind of funnels through Zoomer. But I know this is not about me, but I kind of thought about this when we talked last week and it refreshed when I saw this episode. Decades spent in litigation have given me some sort of Stockholm syndrome where even though they were giving those clues about his anger, I thought that was normal. I sympathized with him. Yes, that would be frustrating for Andy to not know who he could trust. I felt almost like, wow, they really humanized this character and I'm kind of endeared to his struggle. So it was an interesting moment for me that I was connecting with someone over what was supposed to be a tip-off that he is actually has a big anger management problem and is abusive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say two things to that. I completely agree. Could you imagine that you're trying to have this, you know, meeting of the minds type situation and you're very serious about what you're trying to do theoretically. And, uh, you know, and basically people are leaking uh, information or whatever else that could be extremely frustrating. So his frustration, I think, is legitimate. I think the fact that he goes from being completely calm to flying off the handle and then calm again was more of an indication of uh, you know his uh, potential true nature rather than, uh, yeah, his frustration at that level would be completely understandable, I think. Yeah, I just, I didn't see it as a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay, Sona? Is it okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm concluding I must not be. <laughs> <laughs> I've, you know, I've just seen too many people fly into a rage and, you know, and I've just become dead to it, I guess. So, <laughs> or like I said, even worse, sympathetic. <laughs> oh, he's having a really rough day. Okay. Let's give him some space. Oh, by the way, Zoomer riding the bicycle, not a tricycle, but a bicycle through the hallways of this hotel, the red carpeting, he's wearing red overalls. Uh, the very shining much for the sure. shining, exactly. Yes. exactly. and uh, and also potentially a uh, a father, abusive father figure being driven mad in the middle of the snow as well. So, a good point. Um, I thought this was an interesting angle, though, as I mentioned about the abusiveness is actually like his in over the top intensity commitment towards his kid being some sort of prototype for like the perfect person. That's something that I didn't necessarily see coming. Well, I obviously I just said I didn't see any of it coming. But, you know, like this particular spin on having an abusive partner is something that was different to me. I'll tease it now. We are still taking Lee's word for it. And and I do think that true. It's not as cut and dry as 
she's making it out to be. I think she might still be manipulating because I don't think Andy's the murderer. There's a lot to unpack here still. <laughs> and I guess we'll yeah. know everything next week anyway. But maybe I'll raise the question now. I think the show can't at this point tell us that what we saw this week is a lie. The flashbacks, for example, because we could have her tell us something. This is just like the language of film. She could tell us something. She could tell us all this. But to see the reenactments, it's would be like a cheat next week to be like, actually, she made all that up, you know, like that would would not work. You know, you basically have to do one or the other. There might be more to the story. There might be mm-hmm. some, you know, she might have done all the things she described there, but he may not have been as abusive as he says he was. But once again, we do see that flashback where he smacks her uh, during that uh, incident with the bicycle and he like basically pushes her, you know, pretty roughly pushes her into the wall there. Well, I don't know if it's an unreliable narrator issue or a plot construction issue, but the whole deal with her friend from college who lives in the woods, Mm -hmm. like that didn't quite make sense, right? Right. Because he apparently, I, I would assume, knows the dire nature of her situation and has agreed to help her. But then when she drives up and sees him talking to the husband he doesn't seem to be registering on his face maybe he's a terrific actor that anything is amiss or wrong whatsoever like you know he seems happy to see her and welcome her into this situation that has clearly gone completely sideways from what it's supposed to be and he's laughing with andy which i could understand if they telegraphed somehow that he's like panicked or you know didn't know what else to do but it seemed like he didn't see a problem with the situation I read it actually as, and and maybe I'm misreading it because they don't give us a lot of information, but I actually read it as he doesn't know so that- You think he didn't know that she was trying to escape an abusive relationship? Right. So she's just like, oh, we haven't seen each other for a long time. I really want to catch up. And then she's just using it as a, a reason to go see him. And that when she got there, that it would basically be- like, here's what's actually going on. But she I probably see. doesn't want to tell him too much because she's like potentially implicating him or if she can't make the trip, now all of a sudden she's kind of dragged him into okay. the situation. So I'm maybe overreading it, but I think that's what's happening there. Because okay. it would be strange that he's just kind of chilling out, having a grand old time yeah. with Andy. <laughs> right. This person who like, you know, he's not even, uh, you know, uh, uncomfortable with this guy who, you know, showing up, he'd be like, oh my God, why is he here? <laughs> I freak out. Okay. Right? Yeah. Cause I assumed he knew. And then I was kind of like, but then what? So, okay. We can go with that. So her plan, by the way, was to hack the DMV in the uh, New Jersey and found a mother with a child around the same age who's about the same height, but has dark hair. And that's why she has the wig and she makes this ID or she renews the driver's license. There is a pretty funny scene where Zoomer has to get into this rundown car and he's like, I don't like this car. <laughs> <laughs> and she drives all the way to Nova Scotia. That's quite a drive from New Jersey to Nova Scotia, but uh, but doable. I mean, it just takes uh, 12 hours or so. And the Zoomer did not complain the whole time. Didn't even have a device with him. <laughs> <laughs> As a parent of a child around that age, we all know. <laughs> Impossible. Impossible. Maybe she drugged him. Maybe we didn't see that part. <laughs> then again, you know what? Andy would definitely control his screen time very, very strongly. So Fair. he's probably Fair. just used to like staring at the window and making up things in his head. Okay. I have a bunch of questions here, though, that I find questionable. Lee supposedly still continues to say that she had no idea, no idea that Bill was a dad. No idea, really no idea. You slept with this guy exactly 10 months before you had your child. He looks like Bill. <laughs> like, really? No idea? I don't know about that. 
the only thing I can think of is that, you know, she had told Darby that they didn't really complete the act. I mean, this is getting very graphic, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was this storyline. Do you remember the show Scrubs? Oh, yes. I didn't watch Scrubs, but I there is this storyline towards the end of Scrubs where someone gets pregnant from the pre ejaculate, I think it is. Yes. So or like, I don't know, there was never actually any penetration, but she still got pregnant. I can't remember. So I was thinking like maybe it was a situation like that where she was kind of like, but we didn't actually do it. So how would I be pregnant? I don't know. I I'm really reading into things here, though. <laughs> I, I, I'm still and I could be wrong about this, too, but I have the read that the whole thing like oh we never consummated it we were more like buddies is like mm, i don't know i don't buy that so i think that was her just saying that you know well then it's completely unbelievable that she would have no idea because right. if you exactly have sex with somebody you obviously could get pregnant even if you just start having sex with somebody you know that's what i'm saying that she had no idea it's just that even it's like in the back of her mind she wouldn't be like isn't it possible just possible that's, right no you know, i agree with that because i mean for example if he failed to have sex with her and they were using protection or whatever, then it's just like, it does become very, you know, like that is like, what, what are the odds of that? Like one in a billion. Very <laughs> slim. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Some things do start coming together here though. Andy was the one who invited Bill. The supposition here is that he wanted to get to know the dad a little bit better. So obviously understanding the biological dad does give you some insight into your biological child as well. Even though he obviously believes that nurture usurps nature mm -hmm. but you know it still matters so and interestingly of course we're like well definitely it was lee who invited right darby and it's like no darby was invited as the bait to get bill there mm -hmm. so that's all interesting oh and rohan was then invited by lee because on bill's suggestion because he has the boat and that's why they have the whole situation with the zeppelin out there zeppelin the zodiac <laughs> a zeppelin would be pretty funny <laughs> It'd be a little more obvious too. Otherwise, there's a balloon floating out there in the ocean. Oh, and then that also indicates the whole one down, still a go. It sounds like this was their escape plan. I mean, this to me also was a strange message. I mean, were they expecting to get murdered? Because that seemed like a very casual way. Yeah, one down to convey down. that one of the. The three of them is no longer alive, but we're still going forward. Like it, it just, I don't know. To me, I would think that this was a more dire situation than one down still a go, given that our now current understanding of the plan. I don't know. That just seemed weird to me. It also seems like too much information in a way, like still a go would make sense because you could say, hey, wait, we're yeah. coming eventually. And then you could basically say, well, where's Bill when you get there and be like, well, Unfortunately, he's dead. Died. Yes. But like the one down still ago is just like very troubling. Imagine your crew members sitting out there going like, what? Yeah, <laughs> what what <mean>? happened? <laughs> so, Cliffhanger. <laughs> a little too much for uh, Morse code, apparently. Yes. I mean, even Bill dead would be the same amount of letters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> More or less. One extra letter. But still, that's still problematic. Bill dead is still pretty scary information. I know, but at least you would convey the accuracy. One dead, still a go. <laughs> so the three cups apparently would have been Bill, Rohan, and David who were coordinating the escape. There is something interesting here I think they are trying to make a point about, which is that Lee had been doxxed and bullied online. It's kind of a parallel here for the whole Gamergate thing where that female mm -hmm. journalist was basically, her life was destroyed by 
internet culture. So Lee had to like go underground. And then ironically, she's looking for someone who's so powerful that he'll protect her because, you know, she'll be untouchable. Yes. And of course he ends up becoming an abuser, which is interesting, I think, because, you know, in my minor experience with this in my life, I have seen that women oftentimes go from abuse, one abuser to the, the next. And uh, so it is interesting that it's like almost like they, uh, these predators will almost uh, target people like this. So she has like slipped, her, allowed herself to slip back into one of these relationships in its own way. This is when Darby tells Lee that they need to go back to Bill's room to go, that she's making the big old mistake. And Lee asks, what is that? And it's like knowing or being caught up on the killer rather than thinking about the victim. Know your victim and you'll find the killer is the idea. This is when Oliver shows up. I have many questions now about Oliver suddenly popping up here, by the way. It was entertaining though. Yes, they needed more humor. <laughs> Oliver did inject some humor here. I actually have that in my notes. He has uh, one funny line reading here, very funny line reading here, that I'm like, man, we needed to have a little more humor in the show, for sure. Is it the one about the blood? Yes. Yes. I normally don't read this part. Funny. Yes. <laughs> I normally don't read this part, but that's where all the blood is. <laughs> yes. That's great. So Oliver's there, has been sent by David, apparently. Suspicious that he suddenly shows up here. They all head over to Bill's room. Darby smells And by the clothes. way, he's um, he's walking around he's walking, when he shows yeah. up. Yeah. Correct. So yes, Darby smells Bill's shirt. Oliver was smart enough, like I said in an earlier episode, to hang on to one of your devices, people. There's no reason. They're just trusting you to hand them over. He kept one so they can go and review the video footage. You see the lighting change. The door opens, but there's nobody there in that moment. We had actually noticed that mm -hmm. earlier. They say that's strange, but they kind of blew it off. But now they're like, ooh, someone was able to hack the video and remove themselves from it. Darby reenacts Bill's final moments. And as she's walking through it, you know, kind of sussing out what might have happened, they mention the thing she grabs, she could grab anything. She could make a phone call. Bill, I should say, could make a phone call. But what does he do? He grabs that book. And this leads us to the flashback. This is very frustrating to me, by the way, when they, she like stops reading it. I normally don't read this with a whole funny line there, but the whole thing that they're just like dragging it out. It's like, just please, just tell us finally <laughs> what happened. <laughs> You've been dragging that out for this entire series so far, literally mm -hmm. from the first scene. Yeah, I mean, since the first episode, yeah. That funny line, of course. <laughs> That's where all the blood is. <laughs> okay, I have so many things to say about this short sequence in the basement. First of all, the dismantling of the steps is absolutely insane. It's like the steps were made out of paper. <laughs> they literally just pull off the sides of it. The whole thing collapses into a pile. And none of that makes sense. Like I was assuming they would, you know, in my imagining of this, you, you know, t dismantle the the steps and then you look under the steps. They have dismantled the entire steps. Like the they, they're like looking at the yeah. floorboards, like literally picking up the boards, the 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 uh, step boards. Uh, like, did they think the bones were going to be inside the wood? Like, what are they doing? And then they're like, oh look, over here in the dirt. Yes, <laughs> what a surprise. I mean, maybe it was extremely shoddy construction. Perhaps. Yes. That um, was, you know, done after the fact. I mean, the weird thing being, though, that the steps should have been there previous to any murder. Of course, murders. how would you get in and out of the basement? <laughs> so you would think then you would just close up that area. Exactly. Underneath the steps exactly. and the steps would remain structurally, uh, really essential to the structural integrity of, well, the two floors existing and being able exactly to, having a functional um, basement yes so in that way it was strange that the steps were also dismantled and then 
I was kind of looking like, I guess they could fit out the window that's there. It's like, exactly. Of, how are they going to get know, out like, of the How basement? are they going to leave? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I'm with you. But that's only the beginning of the strangeness here. So that's part one. The next thing that is bizarre here is that, so now the killer, supposedly the killer, I have a question about that, by the way, gets to the top of the stairs, gun in hand. So now he can no longer enter the basement, right? Like they just have to get out, out of his line yes. of fire and they're fine. Because yes. unless he jumps into the basement and breaks his leg, but even if you know he doesn't, they can like jump on him when he lowers himself into the basement. So the only way he can possibly shoot them is if they stand directly in front of him and they stand there and Damn recite the names of the, the victims. It's like, what is going on here? Who would do that <laughs> in their right mind? Someone's got a gunpoint at you. You step out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> the light of fire. It is yeah. utter insanity. <laughs> I mean, maybe there was no, maybe his range would have reached every area of the basement maybe uh, <laughs> he could have like lowered his head and like kind yeah. of peeked over and started shooting into the be basement. on your stomach and <laughs> perhaps but you can like get behind the you know the the, the pillar the washing machine yeah. or something right i mean there's ways you can yeah. protect yourself rather i mean definitely any option is better than standing directly in front of him <laughs> like where Fair. he's pointing the gun yes Agreed. And then lining up one in front of the other. It's like, oh, maybe I could kill them both with one shot. <laughs> Two birds with one stone. <laughs> exactly. He might be short on bullets. So Yeah, so they stand there at the bottom of the stairs. They read off the list of victims. And the killer has some kind of change of heart or so distressed by hearing their names that he commits suicide. Shoots himself in the face and splatters Bill with his yeah. blood. <laughs> Grim. Which, to be honest, is what kind of what I had assumed had happened when they were right. both alive at the end of this whole incident. Yes and no. Here's where I'm going to just put this out there now. I don't think that's the killer uh, or it, the killer or, or there's more to it. The killer might have been working with somebody else. Here's what I was suspicious of from the very beginning. We never see the killer's face, right? Okay. We don't see the killer's face now. They don't see the killer's face. And then his face gets shot off, right? Uh, and they Correct. make a, and by the way, you could say maybe thematically the killer doesn't matter. That's like kind of one of the themes of this show, right? So maybe we yes, care very true, are, right? So I think that could be part of what they're doing here. But then later on, the show itself draws our attention to it. Did you see his face? No. Did you? No. I didn't see his face either, right? So they're making us aware of the fact that no yes. one saw his face. And I rewatched that scene because it felt so odd. I rewatched it last night, and a couple of things happened. Before he shoots him in the face, shoots himself in the face. He he falls backwards. So something happens. We cut to him in the door frame. We see him inside profile. The only time we see him that way, he stumbles backwards, and that's when he shoots himself in the face. Unless maybe somebody shot him in the face, right? Like maybe he was a patsy for somebody else. Mm, okay. And here's the second reason I suspect this. By the way, when the sound is muffled, we cut to a shot of the top of the stairs. We see the body at the top of the stairs. And we hear a door creak. When this person walked in, or people potentially walk in, we hear a door creak, the front door creak open, right? When we cut to the top of the stairs, we hear the door creak again. Who is exiting at that point if it is the, if the killer was alone, basically, right? So- Interesting, interesting, interesting. So I'm very curious as to whether that is, I might be misreading all these clues. The creaking door though, there's definitely a creaking sound there. I don't know what that's supposed to represent if it's not someone exiting uh, the house. 
you know, maybe it's just supposed to be the front door swinging open in the breeze or something. Mm-hmm, Who knows? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something very suspicious about the whole way that that's, they staged that. Why wouldn't they show this actor's face here in this moment? It doesn't make any sense, right? I agree they made a big deal out of not seeing his face. And then we do see the face like in the driver's license. Driver's so license. It's as if yep. like we can't match the faces, right? So that's important. Right. Hmm. So I do think that there's more to it than this. Although, man, if that's going to be another shoe dropping, which of course she's not aware of, if that shoe's going to drop in the next um, episode, <laughs> that's quite a lot of stuff. Which to is try the last episode, right? Last episode, yeah, exactly. Right, and that's what worries me about this is that okay, what you're raising is very interesting, and I'm curious about it, but from a structure standpoint. I'm not sure that should all be happening in the last episode, if that's true. So in a way, I would prefer that it just is superficially what we saw and were told and nothing more because there's only one episode left. On On the one hand, I want that mystery to be a little more interesting and I am more vested in that flashback episode, but I don't want that to happen, honestly, like just like you said, I don't want that to happen in... (laughs) <laughs> the last episode, unless right. it somehow is all tied together. This is all one big crime, which uh, would be kind of fascinating. But I, I feel if they are somehow able to tie those two crimes together, these two different sets of murders, then uh, it's going to be like pretty bizarre. Like it's going to be a pretty weak. The killer followed her out there and was like the maybe the guy who was delivering the tea was, you know, like someone completely inconsequential, like was there <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't, I, I hope it's not something like that because that would be really weak. But we will see. We will see. But I do think there's more to it than this, to more to this than uh, there was still yet to be discovered. The idea of this body, at least, is for Frank Bell, who's the fa- the husband of uh, the first victim. I did find that weird, by the way, that when they find the body, they like put the ring back with it. I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? <laughs> You're ready to, I guess, tampering yeah. with evidence at this point. So it doesn't really matter, but it's pretty <laughs> bizarre, like putting it there in the gravesite, like, you know, there it is where it's supposed to be. I'm like, really? She runs outside. She'd like, Basically, there's a pull up into the bloody top of the steps. Pretty gross. Runs to the next door neighbor's house and says, my phone, the battery's dead. Once again, another stupid thing when they're down in the basement and they're like, my phone's battery is dead. I'm like, before you go into the serial killer's house, make sure you have a fully charged battery. For Pete's sake, people, just basic self-preservation. Investigation 101. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fully charged phone, multiple mm-hmm. ones, please. Each one for each person, in case you get Yes. <laughs> I love, by the way, this is great. This 911 call is incredible. She not only calls up and goes, like, I'd like to report two mm-hmm. dead bodies. One is a suicide. The husband of <laughs> and then my favorite part is goes, he I have evidence that he is the murderer of eleven women across seven states. I'm like, this 911 operator is like, oh my God, I need like clip yeah. notes for this call. What is going on here? <laughs> A lot of exposition. Just give me, just give me the address. I will send the cop. You can tell him all this stuff. <laughs> oh my god, that poor nine hundred one operator. So that that night they bathe away the blood, dried blood. They yeah, argue. but they're not like draining it out of the tub. Like I want to. It's pretty did you gross. See the yes, color of it's the there water? the next day. The next day, it's still covered in. I mean, blood if anything, this is a shower situation. Yes, more. absolutely. And yes. then take a bath to like you know process exactly. But- when the grime is still running off your body, just have that go straight down the drain. <laughs> just sit right in the blood right afterwards. Uh, a little brain bits. Great. <laughs> they get into a fight. Bill is annoyed that she's so fixated on the killer. This is where there's a whole line of I didn't see his face, but once again, they thematically tie it in here. 
And then very importantly there here, I guess this is going to be a clue, which I don't know how it makes sense, but you tell me later that uh, who cares about the killer? Then maybe this is the thesis of the show, by the way, too, but who cares about the killer? They're just somebody with faulty programming. They're just mm -hmm. repeating the same thing over and over again, a dumb task because, you know, the, the basically the killer is inconsequential and stupid and predictable, boring and predictable, I think is what he actually says. And the killer doesn't have meaning. Boy, I hope that's not the purpose of this. It's just like, we never find out who the killer is. That better not be what we waited for. <laughs> that would be terrible, by the way. But I don't think that's the case. The next morning, he's gone and uh, has also drowned her devices, including her phone, by the way. Thanks a lot. I left you the car, but I hope that you don't break down or anything along the way with that old car because you have no way of communicating with anybody because I... Wait, is, are they hers? I assume they were his. Maybe they were his. Uh, I thought it was hers, though. But maybe, maybe you might be right. Maybe it's his. And he's just like, I'm off the grid. Goodbye. I'm gone. I thought his because of um, his Thanks. conversation with her about how the phones have ruined everything. And then, yes, the Fangs decal as well. I, in my mind, I thought that he had put the Fangs decal on her computer. Like, you know how like... Uh, boys will do that like in school or whatever if they like a girl they like put put their their initials and everything all over their notebooks and things is that true i didn't know that <laughs> it's just, i don't know just a pattern i thought he's like fangs for the memories <laughs> but so it wasn't clear to me like are we seeing the origin story of fangs or has he i don't know either this entire time and he just never mentioned his work as a street artist i i don't know fangs but I mean, no fangs he had that decal ready to go. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to get you my puns here. <laughs> Thanks for the memories. Did you do that one? Thanks for the memories. Yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> it's more like thanks, but no thanks on the, on the, that's basically the, the um, <laughs> that is the message. <laughs> what yes. he writes on the, on the, on the yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did find that funny too. That you, like you said that I had not seen that fangs logo before. So that this is like his sudden, um, <laughs> the origin story that he's just like, I came up with a cool tag and I'm ready to go. Yeah, and like in the middle of the night. I mean, she is a sound sleeper. He's yeah. creating this decal. And gone, by the way, too. But I guess he, she is a sound sleeper because remember the other time he came back, uh, he had gone out to get coffee and came back, coffee and Coke, right? And uh, had uh, come back. Yeah. Um, she had noticed. So now we flash back to present tense and Oliver goes, interesting. Can you go back to that? What? That's a weird phrasing. What did he say about bad programming? I know what this means. It's Lume. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where did this leap of logic come from? And then some bizarre piece of dialogue about, you know, smart cities aren't just about like efficient cities. They're all about tracking all your movements all the time. Right. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> An interesting attack on smart cities here as well. All right. Here's my theory, by the way. I think, but it doesn't quite fit. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a few different contradictory theories out here and you tell me what you think of these things. First of all, the faulty programming. I think the clue there is this is AI. I've suspected for a while that maybe yes. AI has been killing these people off. It's right. Because so many things are technological, right? The 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 pool door right. closing, the, yes. the helmet, right? It doesn't explain one thing or two things, actually. One is who put the knife to Darby's throat, right? There's a person there, obviously. Yeah. And second of all, who injected Bill, right? So that obviously right. is, is, is so. So those are the two aspects of it that don't sound like AI. Agree. But the whole idea of faulty programming does, okay, there are two things. Either that it's some sort of computer gone amok, right? So the AI idea. Right. Or that it's some sort of genetic deviation that causes somebody to do this, which right. 
I am sad to say would only lead me to Zoomer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know what? There is, by the way, there is an internet theory that it is Zoomer and that nobody erased themselves from the video footage, that Zoomer was too short to show up on the video footage. But that is an actual theory that's out there, by the way. Huh. <laughs> now that Zoomer got the morphine and killed Bill, why would he kill Bill? I, I, I don't know. It's questionable. But oh, then okay, so obviously wait, he's not wait, the wait. person with the knife to it. Yeah, go ahead. So maybe faulty programming, like it's a relative of the serial killer from before. And it's like a genetic yes. deviation. Mm -hmm. That Okay, so that's another idea that's coming to me. Or the real serial killer, if what we saw was not the real serial killer, that it's... But I mean, there's nobody that fits that demographic that, right, would have been killing all these women during that time six years ago. Right. You would need a middle-aged man. I guess it could be Andy or David. It could be the actual serial killer who shot himself in the face or someone shot him in the face while he was at the top of the stairs. It could have actually been that person. But when we hear the sound of someone exiting was he there with like his son for example right and now the yeah. son might have been okay, pursuing yes. darby since then right so there could be something familial and yeah um, yeah is the idea of faulty programming if not yeah. tech thing tech entity of some sort would re lead me to some sort of lineage issue yes so i thought that i thought the ai is uh involved here mm -hmm. it's and right for i sure. suspected the ai for a while considering yeah. all the technical aspects to the hacks that happened. There's the whole thing that Zoomer is too short to show up on the security mm -hmm. camera, but it seems odd that Zoomer would be there and had the morphine. And then who is putting the knife to Darby's throat? And then if this was the killer, let's say this is associated to the original case and uh, is getting seeking vengeance, why is he killing Bill? Yes. But then why Rohan? Why does he care about these other things? And why isn't he vengeful against Darby? He actually says, I don't want to keep killing, right? Like, so that doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm still confused at that. Well, I, yeah. Killing Rohan because they don't want Lee to leave with Zoomer, right? But then why are they vested with Zoomer staying there? Well, that will lead you to the killer, won't it, Victor? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just wondering about the, if it is, if this is somehow an extension of the killings from the past, I mean, it doesn't seem like they would be vested in the whole Lee um, leaving, et cetera. If we're talking about the past storyline, yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Like tying those two things together, which I, I don't know, to be honest. One more uh, thing I thought of is um, not only is Zoomer too short to show up on those cameras, but Oliver may and these are all contradictory theories by the way maybe they're supposed to yeah be. yeah of course yeah and oliver also might be too short in his chair to show up mm. on the, uh in the chair but he could have been in the you know wearing the mask uh and attacked darby because he could have been standing up when he did that obviously i mean by this theory anyone could have army crawled their way to the door true i mean if it were that easy you would just crouch down and crawl or Shimming yourself but, over. But Bill might be like, why are you down there? <laughs> might be a little more suspicious. <laughs> Maybe a little more suspicious about letting you into that room. Fair. Oh, yeah. But I do think Oliver is very suspicious because he shows up here. He injects himself into the case. He touches the book and everybody's like, hey, you shouldn't be touching that book. And he's like, hey, you were just smelling his clothing. But, yeah. you know, obviously, if you were in the room and you wanted to put your fingerprints on the book in a less suspicious way, of course, grabbing the book uh, makes you explains your fingerprints being okay. on the book, you know? Right. So he does do a few things. Oh, and and even the crazy theory of Lume, where they're like saying, what do you think this means? And he's just like, Lume. And like some of the theories he comes up with here at the end are so bizarre. It does seem like he is trying to 
divert them from maybe misdirect. Exactly. But then if that's the case, it does seem odd that he uh, would allow them to use his device. He could just basically say, oh, I don't have a device instead of letting them review the video, unless he's pretty confident that he's not on it. So he doesn't really care. Right. So that's the other possibility. But then again, why even raise that question? Like he's basically exposing himself there because, you know, it's not impossible for Darby to be like, well, maybe there's someone there just too low for the camera to see. And now that only leaves you a couple of possible suspects. So, yeah, all these things to be figured out next week, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's a lot for a final episode. It did make me laugh, though, when he's just like, aha, Lume. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing in that clue that made me think of Lume. Unless yeah, generically, re- well, she knows computers. It's like, well, yes, everybody here knows computers, people. <laughs> I really, when he said it, it, was like, wow, I really haven't been keeping track of what these guests do and <laughs> right. who they are. <laughs> I actually re- rewatched parts of this uh, episode last night for taking these notes and uh, including that sequence at the at the you know top of the stairs. But I rewatched this scene too because I'm like, I have to figure out what his logical leap was from yeah. Lumet. And I'm like, there is none. He just literally just says Lumet. I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. You got to at least back that up somehow. And, you know, you haven't mentioned that final scene where Andy and David and the security guy. Todd, yeah. Yeah, busted on them. And David clearly has been beat up. And yeah, Todd said his loyalty was to the family, but it doesn't seem like it's to the family necessarily. (laughs) So we have that happening as well. I do wonder if Todd is the person in the mask who threatens Darby because he does seem to have some affinity for her and her revenging, but then obviously needs to do his job and has this affinity for um, Zoomer, I think, at least, and probably Andy as well. So I do wonder if Todd is somehow that person there in the mask. And, and maybe not the murderer, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just I, I telling mean, her to back off. I think it's off. very possible. Yeah. Yeah. So these things may not be all tied together as tightly as, as it may seem. Yeah, and then Andy walks in. There's my wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he found his wife. That's another thing I think is crazy here. This guy is this overly controlling tech billionaire, and I find it very funny that he like can't find people, can't find out what's going on there because he has all these like privacy settings. And on the one hand, you would think that he could be saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, don't worry, we're respecting your privacy." But there's some backdoor way that he can like see everything that happened, right? Like you would. It's assume. a very popular thing to do in this day and age. Exactly. Yeah. And then this idea that you know he literally had to beat up David to find out where she was is just like couldn't like even with the way that the system works now, couldn't they just like say, "Hey, there's five people in Bill's room." Yes. <laughs> just like counting the bodies in there, they'd be like, "Wow, there's like five different people in there." I think that's probably where your wife is. Just 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 a guess by my part. Yeah, and I mean, as luxurious as this hotel is, it doesn't seem super expansive. Although it does have the ten levels underground, and I don't know what happens on the nine other levels that we. Have haven't seen True. so maybe she could have been on one of those yeah <laughs> be funny though like, like right next door to the room beating the hell out of david and david's finally like she's across the hall <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i guess we should have just started knocking on doors we could have avoided all this and then that is the end of the episode so yeah i mean i kind of laid out all the theories i have right here i do have another broader theory that i might play around with here but did you have anything else you thought of or anything i missed you know We've talked about before, I more just watch it in the moment and I don't think about it too hard. And you infamously always figure out what's going to happen before it actually happens. This is just a thought more than anything else. When this started, I assumed that the murders in the past were somehow going to be linked to what's going on today. Right. 
And then I became convinced that these are just two separate stories that have some meaningful link, but not a factual link kind of, of, you know, the murders specifically having anything to do with what's happening today, more like a theoretical thing, like you said about faulty programming or whatever. And, you know, does it really matter who the murderer is and that type of stuff? And now I'm back to wondering if maybe they are going to be connected because as, as we said, if they are connected at this point, it feels like a little late to be clarifying that connection. Maybe in retrospect, if that's the case, we'll see that there were other things all along that, that pointed to that and we missed them or misinterpreted them. At this point, I would almost rather they are not linked. My hope is that these two cases are somehow all interlinked as like one grand theory and that it's really satisfying. Um, right. But like you said, I'm concerned that that would not be the case. So in some ways, it's kind of like just use the original case and maybe the mistakes that Darby made there uh, as a reference to not make those mistakes again. You know, maybe that like somehow thinking on that first case helps her solve this case uh, and they leave them just kind of unexplored. Right. By the way, there are all these things that, and this is where there might be more going on here. And and I do worry that there's going to be too much to try to wrap up. There's also been uh, people online that have been like making all these connections between things that happened in the past and in the present. And like just one of the most obvious ones, by the way, is the fact that when we see Lee driving the car mm-hmm. this week to pick up um, yeah. her son at school, you'll notice that her sleeve is rolled up and she has this yeah. tattoo that goes down the yeah. length of her arm, which yeah. matches the tattoo that Bill has. So they I have did not match- realize that. They have okay. matching tattoos. So it's very strange that they apparently don't know each other that well. And then they have these matching tattoos and quite a coincidence that, I mean, you could make something as, but you know, weak as like, oh, she saw his and was like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll get that too. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. And why are they drawing our attention to it in that scene? Like, I think that you probably noticed it as well in this particular episode and why make us think about that right now here later in the episode, uh, in the season, I should say. So uh, there's, there are definitely, and and there's other things too that people have mentioned that are kind of like tying these different uh, elements, symbols that keep popping up in multiple different contexts in the show. So maybe there is one big theory that ties all this together, which which once again, I'm open to as long as it's something that's not overly convoluted or something, you know, or like all these theories I've had where it's Oliver and it's AI and like somehow all these things are true at the same time. And just like if they try to tie all that together, that's oh, boy. what a mess that would be. Right. So, yes, um, I do hope that they have an efficient. Uh, and I mean, I would love that, by the way. I love when like a mystery comes together at the end. And all these kind of weird things that don't seem to mesh. All of a sudden you're like, oh, of course. And they all click into place. And it was like there, obviously, and I missed it, right? Like, I love that. Uh, so I do hope that that's what we get. I do love I... that too. That is very satisfying when that yeah. happens. And honestly, the show has been, you know, not great. And if it does not have some level of satisfying finale, it wouldn't even be something I would recommend to people unless they love these type <laughs> of things. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't, right? The show has really just been dangling all these clues out there for weeks now that if there's not somewhat satisfying finale i mean i don't know if you're if you agree with that but i think that that would be um a deciding factor as to whether this is worth watching or not don't you think i mean i guess it's hard for me because i don't often think about whether i would recommend it to recommend something i'm watching to other people unless i'm 
massively in love with it. Right. I am not massively in love with right. this. Right. I also don't feel like it's been a waste of my time though. Right. Um, right. I do enjoy it when I watch it. I look forward to it becoming available. I think for the episodes being on the longer side, they generally use the time well, even though the pacing is off sometimes. I don't find myself terribly bored, or if I do, it only lasts for a few seconds. So I think it's a solid show, depending on whether the ending is extremely upsetting or disappointing. But yeah, it's not the type of thing where I'm running out telling people like, oh my gosh, are you watching this? You have to watch it. It's so good. I agree 100% with like, I have been enjoying it along the way so far, but I would assume someone who would be innately attracted to like this type of murder mystery, likes this type of thing would kind of be in there for the ride. But now if it's like after the fact and someone says, oh, I was thinking about watching that and whether I'm going to tell them, oh yeah, you should basically put in the eight hours because these are pretty long Mm -hmm, episodes. mm -hmm. uh, It really depends on whether like they get it at the end. If at the end it's just like, and it's just like a big nothing burger at the end. Like, I I don't know if I'd recommend that to someone unless they, once again, if you like the whole procedural part and you like the tech mystery type thing, if you are a fan of that in general, then sure. But then you're probably already watching this, (laughs) right? Right. It's more of like the, uh, you know, casual viewer and they're like, I don't know. I was wondering whether I should watch that or not. It really does for me depend on whether they nail the landing or not. So we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Thanks again, Sona. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Just a few more days and then we'll know. Yep. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.